0: We're in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. Paul speaking, encouraging Timothy, giving him some instructions. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Paul is in prison in Rome, and he doesn't know at this time the exact time he'll be released or put to death, but he's encouraging Timothy. He's taught him and discipled him, and he'll probably replace him for much of the church things that are going on in the Ephesus area. So Paul converted and was discipling Timothy for the ministry and gifts God had called him to. By prophecy and sound teaching, he felt he could disciple And lead the body of Christ to maturity and to their duties. Speaking of Timothy, he's hoping Timothy is mature, but he still needs guidance from the apostle to take over various ministries. This was Paul's last epistle before his martyrdom under the Roman government. Again, Timothy would oversee or shepherd not only as a minister teaching, but as an evangelist. And that's what Paul was encouraging to stir up that special calling that was given to him. But he would ultimately be probably uh, an apostle when Paul uh, left the world and left it into these people. So he wants Timothy also to uh, trust and appoint uh, overseers and teachers to take over and As the church grew and multiplied, he wanted people who were tried and faithful. They did not appoint people because of their education or their popularity as they do today or because they went to some dead seminary. Many and most seminaries only teach what their particular denomination thinks important, and most of the time it's not what God considers important because that's the age we live in. It's a lot of false Christianity. Most of the organized and institutional churches around the world are false. Most of them don't know the Lord. They're into tradition over the centuries. And many things that maybe started off good, they've altered. And the tradition is more important than the Word of God. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, You lay aside the Word for your own traditions. And he said, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So those who mess with God's word and truth, they're going to have a lot of judgment waiting for them at judgment day. Verse 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure suffering or hardship when he spreads the gospel, when he's talking of the gospel he expected those who had fivefold ministries and were entrusted with it that they would get more tribulation and persecutions than the common christian because they were in the forefront they were acting as active soldiers especially ones like paul and and the evangelists who were moving about establishing bodies of christ and coming back and checking on them, the local ones, they would get persecution at various times, but usually they'd settled into society to a degree that the other people got used to them and didn't pay much attention to them. But the leaders and so forth, they were the ones that the government and other religions despised. One of the main reasons they were despised, the Jews and the christians they only believed in the one god the one lord and the roman empire you could believe in anything you want had multiple religions and you also had to pray for and to the emperor he was considered a god so if you didn't do this you were ultimately called a traitor so if you brought too much attention to yourself the government or people would stir up trouble for you, okay? So once we apostles, he said, Paul spoke before, he said, we were made a spectacle to the world. We are dishonored among the world. We're bringing forth this gospel of the only one true God, and they revealed him as the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews understood the one God, Jehovah, They did not comprehend or receive Jesus. And as we've said before, when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, because when they went into the Roman world first and were preaching to the Gentiles, many Romans in the Roman world, many were Jewish and had synagogues, maybe eight, 8% of the 70, 75 million people. And so they knew something about them. They were strange, And they were often persecuted, and then they were let alone. They would go back and forth. And so when he said, baptize them and name the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, that's the Godhead. He's he's saying, basically, when you go to the Gentile nations. But it's interesting that when Jewish Christians, before they were Christians, when they started to be evangelized by the apostles and started to be in various areas, when they were baptized, they were usually baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus only. See, they already believed in Jehovah. They knew who the true God was. But they started off persecuting them, and they believed that Jesus was a false prophet. And that was one of the reasons Paul was gathering the Christian leaders to drag him back to Jerusalem and have them stoned to death for blasphemy. And that's when the Lord captivated him. Uh, so basically, uh, that's why sometimes you'll just hear they baptize them in the name of the Lord or the Lord Jesus. But when they went out first to places that didn't know much, they baptized them in the name of the Godhead. And of course, they explained that to them later as they were doing it. Okay. So many live out their Christian duties, Christians at the time, and live among the world. And we're like leaven. You know, we sort of mix in with the societies and, and try to be a light and live our life in private ways. So Paul, he said once, he said, we are unknown, but well known. So most of the Christians were not popular, were not known, were not in the public's eye. And the Lord said, but you're well-known, okay? And he would encourage the Christian to live out their Christianity wherever God placed them. And if they weren't traveling ministers, then ultimately there had to be overseers and teachers for local gatherings. And they were more what we call home gatherings. There were no church buildings or anything, okay? It's going to get like that further as we get along in this dark age. So the frontline soldiers, in a sense, they were more in open battle, and they had to face the world and government sometime, Paul, and the apostles were called before to give an account of what was going on. If they were accused of being criminals or traitors, then they were brought into conflict with the devil and the world system. Okay. So he says in verse 4, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So to be an active soldier, you had to sort of lay everything aside. You know, you had to focus on warfare, and that was it. So he's he's sort of applying that to the uh, Christian ministers that are on the f- the front line, you know, have to be less. Christians as a whole are told not to be caught up in the cares of this life. How many will fall away and not bear fruit? But more so those who are of the fivefold ministry. They have more responsibility and more duties to the Lord that they answer for. As James says, we teachers will receive the greater or stricter judgments because of what they were given, they answer for more. So those in various higher ministries will answer to the Lord for their callings and how they performed their ministries before the Lord. Okay. So the greater the calling of ministry and the more authority given, usually the more conflict with the world and the devil. It just works that way. So the ministry, the minister, as the front line soldier, he was to be less entangled in the affairs of life. So he was be stricter and be an example to the flock. Many of the fivefold ministers, at that time of Paul, they were still more mobile and active and spreading the gospel, trying to throughout the Roman world. We're on the other side now. Half the world. Third kinks their Christians when they're not even real Christians, and it's getting darker, and there's not going to be no great evangelism before the Antichrist comes on the scene. Christians are going to be more holding on to what they have, and not losing their crown is going to be the important thing for those kind of people. So there'll be no great movements of evangelists in the last days, and we'll not see, especially with sound gospel. They'll not endure sound gospel. People don't want it. Religious people don't want it. Most of the two billion people, half Catholic and the other Protestant, are not Christians, but they think they're Christians. But they don't serve the Lord. They don't follow his commandments. They're not led of his spirit. They're caught up in tradition and religion over the centuries, but they don't keep the word of Christ, and they don't follow his commands or the instructions of the epistles. So they're going to be very surprised at the Day of Judgment. Denominations, organizations, many so-called Christian institutions, they basically have failed as a whole in the time that we live in, and they're going to get darker. Go to Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 3, and the angel of the church that was in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. That's basically Christianity today in its institutional form. We have a lot of mega ministers and mega ministries. But as far as the Lord is concerned, you're dead. Oh, people think you have a name because you got numbers and you're popular with the world and you compromise the gospel. But he said, like Sardis, but you're dead. And he's the one who evaluates them, is the Lord. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Okay? So he's telling, as we get into the more end time, we're basically uh, Laodicea and Sardis as a whole, if you look at the scriptures, we fulfill that. He's saying that the main job is to stay with the Lord and not backslide. Because many he said, will fall away. Some will fall away from the faith, true faith. I'm not talking about religion or Christianity as a religion. He said, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So you have all this mysticism and New Age mixing with Christian teaching and that's why most of Catholicism's faults and most of the liberal Protestants are faults. They've just mingled with the world and mixed everything up with the world. And it's a Jezebel spirit, an adulterous spirit on these people. And yet many of them claim to be Christians. Okay? But he said in three, remember therefore what you've received and heard and hold fast. And repent. Again, he's speaking with several levels. Uh, some Christians were faithful and saw it as some were not as a whole. Okay. And he said, and therefore, if you will not watch or be alert, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I come. And he'll appoint them to destruction. So here, some think he's thinking of the second coming, but he meant probably more the rapture because. The rapture could happen at any time, and it doesn't give people time to get ready. You're either ready or you're not ready. Now, when the second coming comes and the Lord destroys the wicked many, many, during the tribulation period, many will give their lives because they were not ready during the rapture, but they had enough theology and enough Christian teaching to know what was what, And many will probably turn to the Lord, but they'll have to be martyred under the Antichrist system. They'll have to prove their loyalty because they didn't do it before. So when the Lord comes in a moment, no one has time to get ready. You're either ready or you're not ready. That's the way it is. So he says, you have a name, you're alive. Like we say, the many mega churches, denominations, they believe they're Christians. And there are probably some Christians and babes in that that are not a part of the system or they don't know what's going on. But as you mature in the Lord, you'll see certain things and you have to make decisions about certain things. So they were alive according to the world. They brag today, these megachurches have 50,000, 60,000 people. Some of them meet in a stadium. But the Lord's evaluation was, but you're dead. See, because you're... You're preaching a compromising gospel. Jesus, beware when the men speak well of you. He's talking to the ministers. He said, For well, so they did of the false prophets. Because the false prophets did the same thing. They told the people what they wanted to hear for money and for power. And, and it worked. So in the end, as we get darker and darker, people and professing Christians and religious people they don't want to hear the sound truth. They want to hear lies. I'm okay. God loves me unconditionally. Somehow the Lord will make a way for me. These are lying gospels. They have no substance in the word of God. said they will not endure. It means they won't put up with it. They'll separate from a person and put them out of their fellowship because they don't like... You're judgmental. You're too hard. You're unloving. See, they want the world to love them. They want to live their own life, but go to heaven. We have many of them like that. And those not falling away and heeding the warnings, they'll be watchful. It means to be alert of what? The Lord's coming. As John says, if you know he is pure, you know when he comes, he's coming for those who are pure. And he said, and if they're not, he said, they'll be ashamed The word is disappointed at his coming. So many people professing Christians and people who are once Christians and fallen away and living in the world, they're going to be disappointed because when the Lord comes and they're expecting a rapture too, but they're going to be left because they're not his. He won't claim them. And the disappointment is they're left behind in a wicked world and they're going to have more troubles. Uh Had they taken up the cross daily and followed the Lord in their personal life and be led of the Lord, they don't have to be left behind. They're already bearing the cross. But those who are not following the Lord and self-denial and obeying the Lord, they're not going with him. And most of them, the people expecting the rapture, are not ready and they're not going because they don't meet the qualifications of the Scripture. They're not walking pure and godly before the Lord. They're not claiming all grace and then living like the devil. They're not saying, oh, it's only God's grace as they practice their gross sins. See, They're underlying spirits, and they are justly getting deception, because that's what they want to believe. They want to believe what they want to believe instead of what the Scripture says. So he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and are about to die. So he's talking about the falling, at our time, the falling away of true Christians. He's not talking about denominations. He's talking about real Christians will start to fall away and be captivated. And if the Lord doesn't shorten the time or move, he said the very elect would not be saved. But those who walk in the Spirit and follow him in whatever age, and whatever place they are, Paul quotes and says the Lord will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with every temptation make a way to escape. But that only applies to the Christian that's walking in the Lord and obeying him. People claim scriptures when they do not meet the conditions. People ask God to purify their heart and make them clean while they're still in their sins. He can't do that. And he's not going to do it. While you're still playing with the flesh, how can your heart be purified? See, a part of purification is repentance. Part of God's chastening was that the Christian must stop his sinning and failing if he was falling away or being carnal. He's being warned. He's being corrected. And that grievous punishment is so he'll stop sinning and turn back and get right and be holy and pure. Because he says what? For without holiness, no man will see the Lord. So people can claim all this on the right hand of Christ and it's God's Spirit in me. But if you're not walking a holy life and you're not following the Lord, none of that applies to you. See, so people are grabbing scripture out of a box, one little scripture. And they say, oh, I like that. But they don't heed the 10 other ones that warn where you have to be for that scripture or that verse to apply. So it isn't a grab bag. The Word of God must be rightly handled and put together. And we don't have James countering Paul. If you read both of them, they're in perfect harmony. It's the false teacher's because they want to emphasize and stretch the word of God beyond the truth. They come up with all of these false teachings and these beliefs. And Peter said they're already doing it with Paul. They said he, they torture, the word is torture or stretch his words to their own destruction. See, they were saying we're saved by faith and grace, as they are many of them, the Calvinists are today. And yet James and Paul saying, it's who you obey that proves who's your master. So even Paul said, if you don't obey righteousness, that means walking in the spirit and living a morally upright life. He says, then death waits for you. And then he names all these sins and says, if you practice these things, if that's your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He don't talk about how many times you were baptized or confessed to you. It don't mean nothing. It's how one lives today that's going to count with God. And so if he comes today in the rapture, it's how the person's living. And if they're living in gross sin or fallen into sin as a Christian, they're not going. He's not taking them. We have to remain faithful to the Lord. And we don't know each day, or most of us don't, when the Lord may call us. We could die in the middle of the night. God, sometimes we could bring things on ourselves, and God doesn't interfere. If people don't take care of themselves and they abuse their bodies, they can die before their time, even Christians. And God permits them to reap the consequences because they didn't do what they should have done or known to do. But still, we have to trust the Lord, and when he comes... Be many people in many states, and that's how they'll be judged when he comes at that moment. Okay. So part of the falling away from the sound, true doctrine was happening uh, during apostolic times. They had to warn against the spirit of any Christ, even during that time. But it's interesting when Peter said they twist Paul's words, his hard words. He said, he said to their own destruction. He said, as they do all Scripture. Peter is calling Paul's epistle Scripture. Isn't that interesting? He's not in no conflict with Paul. He knows that Paul wrote, going to write half the New Testament, basically. And he called it Scripture. And he said that in some of his teachings, people that are ignorant and don't get the truth, they're going to twist around and they're going to emphasize it's all God's grace as they live in their sins. And they're going to find themselves ultimately in the lake of fire. Okay. Now, the church saw this. Uh-huh. We said, you have a name, you're alive, but you're dead. That was the evaluation of the whole area that were supposed to be these home groups meeting at times in the Sardis area. I often thought it was funny. Years ago, when I was visiting friends in the mountains area of Virginia, there used to be a community that had maybe died 50 years ago, but there were still a few buildings and houses in the area. And they still had a church there. And the name of the little town was Sardis. And on the church, it may have been a Methodist, I don't know what it was. It could have been any, but they had the audacity. They were the Church of Sardis. And can you imagine that? If you knew scripture, why would you name, if people knew scripture, and look at you and say, oh, they have a name, they're alive, but they're dead. It wouldn't be real good for evangelism, now would it? Uh-huh. So I thought how foolish and stupid that these people didn't later on change the name or well, never should have named that church Sardis in that little town that they lived in. So verse 5, not only if you're a soldier on the front lines and active in five-fold ministries, he's telling us, he'll give us a few illustrations. He says, also, not only if you are enlisted, you don't get caught up in the daily affairs, you're at war, okay? Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're fighting demons that manipulate and use wicked people. That's where our warfare comes from. The demons have to stir up wicked people. They rarely can act without a human, as the Lord doesn't do much through the body of Christ without a Christian. That seems to be the way the chessboard is played. Okay, certain rules and regulation. So when we fight against the world, the scripture says, the flesh, the world, and the devil, the Christian has to battle his own corrupt nature that tempts, this is what the demons tempt, is that part of us that our own corrupt nature we inherit and we must keep it from controlling. And when a person becomes a Christian, Paul said, the sin. And this power should have control over you. You see, you have control. The Lord helps you to say no and overcome. We have to be overcomers, practical overcomers, or no one's going to make it into the kingdom. Uh huh. So he said we have to resist these things. We groan, Paul said, waiting for our body to be delivered when we are caught up in the Lord or we die in the Lord. The body and the soulish parts of the body will be left behind. They will not enter into the next heavenly realm. But as long as we are on earth, we still have to deal with original sin, with tendencies we inherit through fathers and forefathers, personalities, talents, traits. We inherit many of them, and even the bad side. And the devil, the demons, tempt that area, And it says, every man is drawn away by his own lust when he's enticed. So we have to recognize where our weaknesses are and resist those when they come. And we have the flesh to deal with. Then we have to deal with the world system, which is basically under control. The day-to-day things of the devil and demonic activities, they rule basic governments and religions. Uh And as we can see over the many centuries, they've they've incorporated what we call the Christian church. Two billion of them are into this, and they're in the power of the devil. And most of the ministers, the ministers of the devil, a lot of them don't even know it. He controls them because they yield To his influences and will not obey the truth and then we have the direct fight at times against demonic spirits that come against our mind and our spirit to oppress us or to stir people up to attack us and do things so we have a warfare that we have to fight so we are soldiers and we have to finish the race and we're given the weapons to do this but if a person has not used the weapons uh, he'll go down and defeat. Doesn't do a bit of good if someone's given you a brand new car and you don't have the key and you can't drive it and it sits in your yard. It's useless. You have to be able to use the weapons and know how for them to be effective. Okay? So anyone who competes as an athlete, he's using that because uh, the Romans and the Greeks were very big on as we are the world now with the soccer, baseball, football, all the Hollywood stuff. Well, they had their heroes too, and their famous people and movie star type people. And the athlete at various times of year, when he won his reefs, he was honored as a great hero, and it made you very popular and can make you very wealthy at times. So he said, if you're going to compete in these games of boxing and running or wrestling and so forth, he said he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Well, they set up these rules and you had to meet certain qualifications. But if you ran, say running, and you won the race and they found out that you didn't complete one of the rules, you were dismissed. You can't win you have to do it by what the rules say. So he's pressing the point of if you're going to do something wholeheartedly for the Lord, do not get entangled much with the things of the world. The Christian uses the world and lives in the world with its objects and money and things that are neutral, but he does not let it rule him. He's not captivated. He uses money because it's needed in all societies. But he's not covetous and greedy and a lover of money, as the scripture teaches. Caught up into, and even uh, Paul said, Set your mind on things above and not things of the earth, because your life is in Christ. And if he's king, you have to live in his kingdom, and you have to live according to his rules, or you will not make it into the next kingdom, okay? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, we'll read. Do you not know those who run in a race? They all run, but only one receives the prize. So run in such a way that you may obtain it. You're looking for victory. The Christian must be an overcomer. He must win what he's called to do before the Lord, his duties and responsibilities. And anyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. He has to be disciplined. If you're going to win a race, you got to get in shape. If you're not used to running, you're not going to get far. You have to discipline yourself, diet, take exercise, lift weight. You have to do many things to get your body ready to do this. And if you don't, again, you're not going to win a race, okay? He said, but they do it, the world, to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. They would get wreaths at these competitions, and the winner would be given often an oak made of leaves and so forth. But if you won that in your city that you went back to and in the area, Everybody saw who you were, and they invited you to dinner. They bought you gifts. They gave you money. It was a means of getting a lot of extra things because you were famous. You were a winner, and the world likes that. So they didn't run just for the leaf. They wanted earthly things. The gladiators were like... Hollywood figures and sports figures. People knew their names. They knew who they were. They spoke of them well, well. And so the person that won in these things, he knew what he was going to get. He's going to get many things. But that was an earthly crown. That was something earthly. Okay. But he says, but we are looking, as Christian is saying, an unperishable crown. We want the crown of victory. We want to overcome. We're looking for eternal life with the Lord. And this life must be overcome. This probation must be won. We must be called faithful to the Lord, chosen and faithful. So it's not enough to enter a race. you got to race it right and finish, is what he's talking about. And so he himself says, therefore, I run, and I'm not uncertain about what I'm running for. And I'm not just beating the air. He's talking about boxing. He said, I know why I'm bringing what. He said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. He resists the temptations of the flesh. He knows how to say no. He knows how to overcome the desires of the flesh and keep them from rising up. He said, I bring them. And even my natural body, he says, I bring into subjection. Because if I make it mine, it's harder for the devil to use it if it's submitted to the Lord. If I take care of the temple of the Lord, which I am, the Lord can use me and I'll be more useful. So he wants to yield his members to the Lord instead of the world. He says, unless when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, if Paul could say this, so much for once saved, always saved. Uh He was saying, if I don't finish my calling as an apostolic leader, as a teacher and a preacher, I could be cast aside. I have a duty to God. He once said, if I preach this gospel against my will, he said, I don't really want to do it. Moses didn't want to do his job either. Paul said, I have to do it anyway. Why? Because I'm not my own. I belong to the Lord, and he directs my life. And he said, but if I do it willingly, he says, I get a reward. Even though I don't like things and I obey the Lord, he said, the Lord will reward everything I do in his name and by his Spirit. But even if I don't like to do it, I have to do it anyway. If you don't, it's called rebellion, and a person can be cast aside. We are the Lord's. We are owned by him okay? And so they do it for earthly glory. We're doing it for eternal glory. This is what God wants us to understand. Uh, We do things in Christian service, in a right spirit. But Paul himself knew he could be disqualified. He didn't have no intentions, but he knew it was possible. Let's go ahead and take a break here.